Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. The, the, the greatest things I learned after I got saved, listen, I got saved on the 14th of November 1982. The same month I turned 18. So I was young as well at one time. Okay, I'm not that young anymore. This week I celebrated 37 years full-time in the ministry. Come on, I give God praise. Some of you are not even 37 years old, but I have been preaching the gospel every single Sunday for 37 years all over the world. Yeah, by the grace of God. So I'm not an upstart. But I, I, I've only just begun, I want to tell you, because my best days are ahead. Okay, so listen. Uh, what, 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 what enabled me? Yeah, God's grace. But the things I learned, and I want to say this, because this young generation, what I'm about to say tonight will revolutionize a lot, your life and carry you and keep you to walk in the plans of God and to finish strong one day. Because that's the goal, right? We want to hear Jesus one day say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not how you start the Comrades Marathon. It's how you finish it. It's not how you start this race called Christianity. It's how you finish one day. So, so the, the, the greatest things I learned, and I thank God immediately after I got saved, was the importance of the local church. God immediately planted me in a local church. And I had one pastor until he died and went home to be with the Lord. And then God gave me other spiritual fathers. I wasn't a church hopper. I wasn't a church hopper. I didn't go to one church on a Sunday morning into, and to another church on a Sunday evening. I was planted in the local church. And I thank God that... Um, I found my church, I found my leader, and I was discipled by that leader. So if you're a church hopper, stop hopping. Get planted in a local church and get involved in that local church. Can I have an amen? If you love the local church, give the Lord a praise for His church. Come on, give Him a praise. Come on, those of you watching on television as well, give Him a praise. So the local church. I fell in love with God, but I fell in love with the church as well. As a matter of fact, I put my officer's course at risk, A-walling every Sunday to jump on the course trucker to go to church because we were not allowed to go to church except for the three sisters Kerka. Uh, churches like that then were sects. I mean, if you had a, a, a guitar or a piano or a drum set, you were called a sect. Now everybody has a drum, everybody has a band, everybody has an orchestra. The same people that call this a sect are now doing exactly what we're doing. That's just how it is. Life, right? But I knew I had to get to church. The second thing that I learned immediately was the importance of prayer in my life. To have a personal prayer life that is strong. A time, a place where you meet with God one-on-one. So church, because without church, you will never learn how to develop your relationship with God. So when people come and they say, well, I have my relationship with God, but I don't go to church. Those people are in deception because you will not find that in the New Testament church. Because God will not isolate you from the church. The Bible says He plants you in the church. He sets the members in the church, which is a local church, which is the expression of a universal church. So you need to get planted in a local church. Then you need to establish a very strong prayer life. If you plan to last, 
The third thing I learned was the importance of the Bible, God's Word in my life. The fourth thing I learned immediately was to share my personal witness, to share my faith. I'll never forget um, that 14th of November, uh, the 30th of November, the night before, was a Saturday night. We were still those days, we went to discos. Um, that's before you, the ravers came along. We went to a disco and we were there till two o'clock in the morning, a friend of mine, two of my friends, and we were still lying in my friend's uh, house um, with a hangover of the previous night. It was 9.30 in the morning and uh, we had our first cigarette of the morning, but it was no babalas. So, oh, my babalas weg to krijg, moet jy meer drink. Om die babalas weg te krijg. My friend said to me, my friend told me, hey, I told your brother we'll go to that cinema and check out that church that just started over there. So we went with the same clothes of the night before. So thank God, I was like that prodigal, okay? I smelled like a pigsty, okay? I had the smoke and the alcohol and everything, the stain and the stench of, of sin was upon me. But then I walked into that place and I felt what I'd never felt. Only 90 people there. And I was standing in the back. Remember now, the night before I was dancing, discoing, doing my thing, my moves in the groove, amen? So I'm in church and suddenly I get all religious because I watch these people clapping their hands and they are rejoicing. And I'm thinking, near young, here is the devil. Man, now is ek a Christian. Ek is now the one who criticizes. But the aunt tevore het ek gestaan en gesokke en gedans en gedruk en gedrink. Man, now weet ek mos nou, wat is die Heere skielik as a sondar? Hey, nothing as bad as a, a religious sinner. That you have an opinion but you are sinning, then you sit in church on a Sunday. It's not the way to do it, okay? So um, I went, I, I, I listened. I felt the love of God. I went back. I told my girlfriend that I was dating at that time. And I said to her, I found Jesus. She looked at me as if I was speaking Spanish, like I'd lost my mind. She says, what do you mean you found Jesus? Want ons is mos gekerk. Je weet mos die boskerk. Verstaan jylle wat ek sê? Nee. So, um, I found Jesus. Well, I brought her to church. She wasn't interested. And that was the end of that. Each and every one of my friends, I told them, I found Jesus. I shared my faith from the first day. When I went to the army, I shared my faith. And since that day, for over 40 years, from 1982, over 40 years, I've not stopped sharing my faith. And it's kept me strong and it's kept me close to God. Come on, tell somebody next to you quickly something good that God has done for you since you have given your life to Jesus. Come on. Come on, this is a practical session here tonight. Tell somebody something, or tell somebody that when you got saved. What's your birthday? No, not your natural born date, your birthday, your spiritual birthday. Okay, so Luke chapter 11 verse 1, 365 reasons why you should pray. Why your personal prayer life is critical as a Christian. So we're going to do a little bit of teaching. It's a long teaching, okay? So 1 to 365. Are you ready? You like information, right? Because information brings revelation, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So Luke 11 verse uh, 1. It came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So the disciples obviously understood that the secret to the power and the influence in the life of Jesus was as a result of His prayer life. And I explained that tomorrow, this morning. Even as business people, you build your business through prayer. Your personal relationship with God will determine the favor that manifests in your life in the workplace. So they knew 
that his prayer life was the source of his power. And you need power to be skillful. You need power to be a doctor. I heard this morning, one of the doctors sent a message to Pastor Andre and he operates, he's in the theater all the time. A professor in Bloomington, he's an amazing man. Helps a lot of people do pro bono operations once a week. I honor him, great, great man of God, great man of faith. Every day before he walks into the operating theater, he takes the patient list and he prays over every patient. Not only that, he has communion on behalf of every one of those patients. Well, that's taking your faith to a whole nother level to include God as a doctor. So they could have asked Jesus, uh, teach us how to preach or teach us how to prophesy or teach us how to do business or teach us how to fish. He didn't, they didn't. They asked him, teach us to pray because they observed the prayer life of Jesus and the result of the prayer life of Jesus. Verse 12, Luke chapter 6, he went to a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer. Question, what is the longest that you've ever spent time alone with God? One minute, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. You know, I come out of the school where we prayed every Friday night, uh, six to six, 12 hours. Every Friday night, we would call it the watch of the Lord and we would spend 12 hours in God's presence and just humbled ourselves, cried out to God. And even in those years, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I learned the importance of a dedicated prayer life. When my friends that were equally called, more gifted, more talented, they never showed up in the prayer meetings. They were out playing. They never took their journey, their spiritual journey serious. And I can tell you how many skeletons there are along the road because they never established this connection called prayer. So Jesus prays, He continues all night. Then He chooses His disciples, apostles, those that would be the foundation apostles of the church, the 12. He comes down the mountain. People come to Him from all over without a marketing campaign, without social media, without Twitter, without Facebook, without Instagram, without anything you are using, He comes down the mountain and the presence of God attracts people to Him as God's favor will attract clients to you. God will give you favor. God, will you will be the top dog. Come on, you will be the person that people will seek out as a doctor. You will be the best advocate. You will be the person that will carry the supernatural blessing of God upon your life because we are called to be like Jesus. He said, as my Father sent me, so send I you. So he started with prayer because he always said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. A lot of things people say on social media that's definitely not coming out of the mouth of God. And I'll tell you why, because they're not having any conversation with God. When you have a conversation with God every day, God is going to adjust your sails and God's going to adjust your compass and God's going to help you to guard your heart. People that are loose with their mouths and people who are gossipers have no relationship with God. That's very, very clear. Okay. So um, he says, so he comes down, people come to be healed, to be delivered. And verse 19 is the key. The whole multitude sought to touch him for power went from him and he healed them all. So as he spent time in the presence of God, God rubbed off on him. He understood his assignment, his mission. He was strong. And he maintained his journey and his course because of prayer. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was in so much agony, the Bible says he sweated great drops of blood. What did he pray? Exactly what he taught us to pray. 
Not my will be done, but thy will be done. The prayer of consecration. The prayer that requires humility. The prayer that enables you to live dependent on the grace and the power of God in your life. So he says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He has the deal. What people do is they make a decision, then they ask God to bless it. No. You don't decide I'm moving to Timbuktu or I'm moving to Canada or I'm going there or I'm going there. As a matter of fact, James says, do not say I'm going to go to such and such a city and do business and trade. And you do not say if the Lord wills. So you have to live in a place where you live humble, submitted to your Father's will, which by the way, is always better than your will for yourself because God is good. And God's will for you is to give you a future and a hope. So God knows who you should marry. I found my wife in the church. God knows what you should do. I found my calling in the church, in the prayer closet. God knows how many children you should have. I discovered that in my prayer closet. The future is what God wants to reveal to each and every one of you. God wants you to live in a personal relationship with Him. Listen, the highest calling you have as a Christian is to walk with God. It's not to be a doctor first or a lawyer or a great apostle or a preacher. Your greatest calling is to walk with God in intimacy. You were designed by God, created by God, created for God, and you were created for communion. And for eternity, your calling is to worship God and to honor God. So we better get busy here. Otherwise, we're going to go to class in heaven, okay? So what do you need in prayer? Because we need to get this as young people, okay? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says, But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Everybody say, shut the door. And pray to your Father. Just excuse me. Just have to take this. How are you doing? Just trying to have a, a moment here with God, but um, I think so. Ah, I think I'll do it later. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pack up and I'll be there in uh, ten minutes. God can wait. Um, okay, I'll see you now, Michael. Bye bye. By God, that's you. <clears throat> he says, shut the door because you, 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 you take your stupid phone or your iPad when you, have, when you read your Bible, you have communion with God and here comes your notifications, etc. And it destroys your relationship with God. It's like being intimate with your wife and your phone goes off and you say, okay, honey, just, just keep it there. Just keep it there. Just stay there, stay there. Don't cool off now. Just stay right there. Stay right there. I just have to take this business conversation. Listen, 10 minutes later, your wife is fast asleep, snoring, right? Hello? Hello? So this generation that is addicted to technology, you want a relationship with God, you have to manage this. Even coming to church. You don't come to church with this stupid thing on. With all your notifications switched off. Because the devil wants to derail you in your relationship with God. And this can be a blessing 
or can be the biggest curse in your life. You know what I'm talking about. How one SMS, how one email can unsettle your whole day. You're having a moment with God, there's a notification, you think, okay, who's that, who's that, who's that? Has somebody paid a million rand into my account? Who's that, who's that, who's that? And then it's not that. There's the end of your prayer. It's just messed up your relationship with God. I said it this morning, people sit at tables, and I'm amazed at this because when I go to a restaurant, my telephone stays in my car. Never will you find me in a restaurant having conversation with anybody and this halophone is with me because that's what I call it. I wish we could break them all, destroy them all and, and, and go back to just having a telephone that you use when you actually need it. Not controlled by this thing that every notification, every WhatsApp, every Instagram, every TikTok, I mean, some of you are TikTok addicts. You need to be delivered from TikTok. You need to be delivered. You TikTok more than you pray. You TikTok, 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 TikTok. No wonder you're TikToking around in your walk with God because you have no respect for God. If you had a meeting with the president today or the person you respect more than anybody else, you will not take this stupid thing into that meeting and you will not allow this thing to interfere with your relationship. So Jesus says, when you have a relationship with God, you go into your closet and you shut the door. This, my brother, is the door you have to shut and you have to tell your wife, honey, this is my time for prayer. Not wives that now come to their husbands and now they uh, swap their headache for a prayer ache. No, you love on your husband, you take care of your husband and you schedule your prayer six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning like that Proverbs 31 woman. She wakes up before anybody else wakes up. She prioritizes prayer because she knows she will be a mother if she has a relationship with God. So yeah, is your word for tonight. Deal with technology or technology will derail you. Because some of you are sitting in this church or down there in Cape Town or in Timbuktu, wherever you are. And while I'm preaching and you're taking notes, there's a notification. And you're starting to have a conversation with somebody else. And you're disrespecting the Word of God, not even realizing what you are doing. Somebody is trying to get in your mind right now while you're sitting in church, talking to you about what you have to do after church. Right? Hello? We need to get paper back. I said we need to get paper back. We need to, um, we need to, uh, and that's what Jesus said. He said, go into your room, which is a place, shut the door, technology. Ah, uh, hello. Say amen tonight. I'm going to build, you know, I said it in Johannesburg this morning. We want to build a prayer tower. I always have wanted to do that, but no cell phones will be alive, allowed. So right be, and next to that, um, we are going to build a rehab center for people that have withdrawal symptoms for, for, for technology not taking on. Think about yourself. The average teenager, average teenager spends six hours a day on this stupid thing. Six hours a day. And zero time with God. Six hours scrolling through um, whatever. You know, the videos on your WhatsApp or the videos on Instagram or the videos on uh, Facebook and it's like an addiction. You, you just watch, 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 watch. And then you actually are meant to have a conversation with other people and you watch people. And I always laugh at this, how people go on a date and uh, they have the candlelight and they have everything. And you watch the husband and the wife, they have nothing to say for one, to one another. They sit, uh, this one is on his phone, that one is, she's on her phone and they're busy with somebody else. They, they're there, but they're not there. That's why I asked you, how many of you are yeah tonight? Are you yeah? Are you yeah? Not in your flesh, are you yeah? 
are you here? Are you here to give God your undivided attention? Then you better learn a lesson. Shut this stupid thing off when you walk into church and invest in a notebook, a little notebook. You say, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. Yes, I might be old-fashioned, but I'm telling you how you're going to have a great relationship with God. You need to get a pen, you need to get a Bible, paper, and you need to get um, a, a, a notebook so that you can learn to keep a diary, a dialogue of your conversations with God. This diary should be the most important book in your life. So your prayer closet, that's what you need. And not this. I don't know whose cell phone this is because I would smash it. But this, whose is it? No, I won't break it. Don't worry. This is not allowed when you pray. You, you understand me? Ja, jylle kyk vir my vandag asof ek van planeet jimmel afkom. Jy is reg. Ek kom van planeet jimmel af. En ek wil die jimmel in jou leven inbring. En die hel uit jou leven uitkry. En hierdie ding is een agent van die hel. As jy hom nie beheer nie, hy gaan jou stop in jou verhouding met die Heere. Luister vir my duidelik. Daai meisie waar hy mee gebreek het drie jaar terug, vanavond SMS sê jou terwyl jy in die kerk sê. Hoekom denk jy? Want die duivel wil nie hee. Jy moet ernstig in jou verhouding met die Heere wees. Jylle allemaal weet waarvan ek praat. This thing gives anybody access to you. Yeah. So, this thing of mine, my cell phone, doesn't control me. It's never with me. I choose when I want to talk to people. They don't invade into my privacy. Now, understand if you're a doctor, if you're a businessman, you're on call, etc., etc., then you set it a certain way that it is just for business and for your customers and for new clients, etc. But, I mean, you can get... 500 WhatsApp notica- notifications a day. I've sat with people, then that phone goes like, bling, 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 and everything has got a different ringtone. Bling, 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 ting, zong, zong, bong, bong, bong. And while I'm just talking to the person, it's like 50 messages, and I'm thinking, this will drive me nuts. It will drive me nuts. It's, and it's driving you nuts. So let, let, let's start not by smashing our cell phones, because we all know we're going to have to buy another cell phone the next day, okay? Let's start by putting technology out when you have relationship with God. Can we have an amen and an agreement on that? Young people, say amen. Come on. So Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart watchtower, not that little book that people spread, and watch to see what the Lord will say to me. Literally says, I will watch to see what God speaks within me. So God wants to guide you, but He guides you from the place of prayer. God wants to reveal His plans to you. He also wants to reveal the plot and the schemes of the enemy against you. So let's talk about 365 reasons why it is important to pray. Are you ready? Number one, prayer helps you develop your relationship with God. How do you get to know somebody if you do not communicate to that person or with that person? I mean, some of you are on, and I'm going to now pick on social media because it's something, that, it's a conversation that's long overdue. You are on chat rooms, you are talking to people that sit on the other side and you actually don't know. Their pro- profile is fake. They're setting you up um, and it might even be a man in uh, India presenting himself as a woman and uh, you are falling for it and you're having a conversation. I mean, I don't want to say too much in that. 
helped a lady once that was in the ministry, her husband died and then she got involved in the social stupidity and the guy set up hook, line and sinker. Never met the man in her life. He got her to pay all the money out of his, she illegally. The trust funds from uh, her children because she was emotionally vulnerable. So through technology, he got into her head. Yeah, yeah. So it helps you develop your relationship with God. James chapter 4, the Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. John chapter 5, Jesus said, you search the Scriptures for you think in them you will find life, but you're not willing to come to me. He's talking about a personal relationship. John 17 verse 3 says, and this is life eternal that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou sent. The word know is the word meno, which is to abide and to dwell and to have a dialogue with God. You can't marry a person without knowing the person. How long will it take you to get to know that person? That young guy that you are dating, you're already talking about marriage, but you only know one another for three months. Let me tell you, you don't know one another. So delay the marriage, spend time getting to know one another because you don't want to marry that person and find out that's not the person I thought it was because initially that man will tell you everything you want to hear. Oh, I love adventure. Oh, I love hiking. Oh, I, I love climbing mountains because he watched your profile. And when you get married to him, he's a couch potato. Rather be honest and, 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 and say, I'm a couch potato. I watch television. Uh, I like soapies. I'll be honest. Then you're going to find a, a couch potato that says, I also like soapies. I also like to sit, etc. Then you, you have common ground, right? You know, you have a relationship. It has, it has to be based on truth. Well, I'm, I'm relating your relationship as young people mostly. How many of you still have to get married? Raise your hand. You still are going to get, you still want to get married? Lift your hands high. That's 90% of you. How many of you want to get married? Seriously. It's a good thing, yes. But where, where do you look? Where are you looking? Let me go a little bit deeper. Who are you talking to? Give me your cell phone. Let me see the people you are talking to. I'll tell you where you're heading. Give me your cell phone. Let's see who you're conversing with. Are you telling me you want to find a man or a woman? And you want a godly man, but you're talking to ungodly men? Because that's what technology does to you. It messes up. It messes your mind up. It gets any, everybody. You can be a father. So I dealt with this with my kids and they were pure, as pure as they can come, but they were not angels, let me tell you. But I control these cell phones. At any time I would say, give me your cell phone, I would scroll through and my word, if there was somebody there with just his peaty uh, pants on, with say muscles and say, beer bottle, I could say, what the heck is this person doing as your friend? And I would delete and block that fool. So if that was his life before Christ, then get rid of your own junk, old junk photos. We don't want to see your life before Christ. We want to see your life after Christ, right? Right? Come on. Yeah. So you're building a relationship with, with five different guys. Where is that going to go? Who are you? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm getting too close to home. 
On a Monday it's this one, on a Tuesday it's this one, on a Wednesday it's this one, on a Thursday it's that one, on a Friday it's that one, on a Saturday it's that one, and on a Sunday it's church. And then it's like, Lord, please lead me and guide me. Where to? Out of darkness. Out of this rubbish. Listen to me carefully. I don't care whether you like what I'm telling you. I'm talking to you about your future. You have to control this thing. Somebody sent you a heart. There is no reason to send you a heart. You block and delete them. Don't tell me it's a yellow heart or a blue heart or a black heart. Well, it's a black heart. I'm sure it's bad. I don't know what it means. Or a purple heart or a red heart. Red heart rum. Why are they sending you a heart or a kiss or a X or a what? Ah, uh, and you married and they married. Why? 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 What's the game? What's the game plan? What's the game plan? Let's say it as it is. What's the game plan? Hey, I love you, television audience. Thanks for being with us. Hey. Control this thing, control this thing. Well, this thing may wreck and destroy your life in the name of Jesus Christ. God's got great plans for your life. He will reveal them to you. Spend time in the presence of the Lord and God's going to amaze, uh, uh, reveal amazing things to you. He says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. May God reveal the future He has for you. God bless you. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give them a bye-bye. So, you, you, so I'm saying that in a, in a, in a, maybe a, a, a realistic way that you can all relate to because most of you are busy with this rubbish. You see, when you speak truth, it goes quiet. Now we're shifting uncomfortable. I'm not judging, I'm trying to help you. So you have to decide if you are talking to five guys or 10 guys or 100 guys or 200 guys or three, thousand guys who's the one are you afraid you know my net in the bundle and whip you 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 fat rock boss yeah why me see i'm saying that because if god is not the primary voice in your life who are you listening to then you listen to your friend then you listen to your friends then you listen to your mother then you listen to this one you listen to that one and God is just one of the options. God will not be one of the options. He says, I'm a jealous God. It means He wants priority. It means He wants ownership. It means He wants to preeminence. It means He wants to be the only one. Come on. It means He wants to be the only one. It means He wants to be the only one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. Thou shalt not love God on a, on a Sunday. And during the week, you love somebody else because you talk more to somebody else than you talk to God. God. God wants the center stage of your life in Jesus' name. He is the primary relationship in your life and you should realize that and respect it and give it the attention that it requires. Say amen in Jesus' name. So, so you know how people avoid God. It's when they go in a direction that they know God will not approve of. So then they stop praying because when you pray, God's going to talk back. And He loves you too much to leave you as you are. And He loves you too much to allow you to go down a path of destruction. So people on a path of destruction clearly do not have communion with God. It's not possible. Say amen. So it's His desire to walk and talk with you. 
as Adam in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, 9, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's how God intended it. Sin came. Even after Adam sins, God still comes for his appointment to walk with him and talk to him. And then God, they're hiding because of guilt and shame, which you never have to do. No matter where you are, God is your Father. God is for you. God has open arms. God is merciful. You never run from God. You run to God. If you fell like David, you get up and you run back into the house of God. You go to God in your highs and your lows because you will not find help or refuge or salvation anywhere else. So, so, so people say sin separates you from God. If that was truth, Jesus would not be able to come into a sinful world. God will never approve of sin because sin will destroy your soul and, 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 and possibly long-term unrepented sin can cost you your salvation. Unfortunately, it's true. So God calls out to Adam and He says, where are you? God's coming for communion. Abram, James chapter 2 verse 23 is called the friend of God. So when God comes to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, because of a friendship relationship. This is old covenant. God comes down. God says, I will not hide from Abram the thing I'm about to do. Watch the connection, the relationship. We're talking about under the Old Testament. We have a better covenant. We are not called, the Bible says in times God, in times past, God has spoken to us through His prophets. Now people that are still looking for a prophet to guide them, you are an Old Testament Christian. There are times that a prophet will be used exceptionally. He says, but God in the last days have spoken to us through His Son. So the Son, Jesus Christ, wants to lead you into the future that He has for you. That's New Testament, okay? Romans 8, 14, the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are sons of God. That word son is euos, which means mature son. So mature people who have developed their relationship with God know the Father's will like Jesus demonstrated. He never woke up one day and said, oh my word, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know where we're going to eat. He said, no, go fish. You, you're going to find a tax money in, the, in, the, in a fish's mouth. He said, launch out into the deep. Let your net down on the other side. So people who walk with God are people who know you will have revelation because God will talk to you. And not only that, you will learn to recognize the voice of God or discern the voice of God. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So Moses, Old Testament law, the Bible says, Moses, or the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That word face to face is the same as a man and a woman being intimate. That's what God wants because that's the place of um, uh, fruitfulness. That's the place of communication. That's the place of unity. There's no oneness with God. If there's no intimacy, you have to be intimate. That means there has to be a secret place, a private place where you spend time with God and establish that as the most important thing in your life. Say amen tonight. So the result of the intimacy Moses had with God is the Bible says in Psalm 103, Moses knew the ways of God, Israel nearly knew the acts of God. Now let's backtrack quickly, Acts chapter 20, or, or Exodus 20. When God comes down to talk to the whole nation, He comes not just to talk to Moses, He comes to talk to everybody. That's always been God's plan. And the people, because their hearts are not set right before God, and they did not know the God of love and mercy, where God reveals Himself to Moses, proclaiming His own name, not judgment, 
but I'm a God that is merciful. I'm a God that is loving. I'm a God that is righteous. Moses knows God. The other people the Bible says they stood afar off. Literally, they ran 16 miles away from God. They kept their distance from God. So Moses' relationship with God was up and personal, close and personal. And you see that how God revealed His ways to Moses. Well, God wants to reveal His ways to you. Amos 3, verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord God does nothing unless He first reveals it to His servants, the prophets. Acts chapter 2, we've received the anointing. We are a prophetic generation. So God wants to lead and guide each and every one of you where you should live, where you should work, what career you should pursue, where you should invest, when to buy, when to sell, who to date, what relationship to break. God wants to guide you, but He cannot guide you if you are not in a place of intimacy, your whole life flows from your prayer life. Listen, your prayer life, because that's what we just read in Matthew chapter 6, you pray in secret, God will reward you openly. So if you have a strong secret prayer life with God, then the manifestation of that will be in your public life, in your character, your persona, your excellence, your integrity. Everything in your life will flow from your personal relationship with God. Say amen tonight. I'm only at point one. Are you ready for more? Otherwise, I just say amen. Can I continue? Okay. Number two. It's going to be a long night. But, I mean, you spent six hours already today on social media. So, so let's just go, uh, take back some territory. Okay. So we've even got cheerful music to tear you, cheer, not tear you up, cheer you up. It's a cheering up service. But some of you are tearing up because I touched your hell off your cell phone. Luister vir my mooi, ek vraag vir jou, mooi. Wat is op die ding van jou? Your life. Where do you talk? With who do you talk? That thing. That thing. That thing. Who are your friends? Who follow you? What is TikTok? What is TikTok? Hello? Hello. You are a king. Where do you look? What do you look? What is your, 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 your TikTok fad? Hello? Heaven to earth? Hello? Why are you uncomfortable? Take the person next to his phone quickly and look at what, they, what they've been watching. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Give your boyfriend your phone. No, give your girlfriend your phone. Nou, <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
the blessing and the curses of technology. More curse in this than blessing. Should go back to cell phones where you can just actually send a message and receive a message. Oops, that's the baby. So clearly not my phone. iPhone, iPhone, yeah, there it is. Says it all, doesn't it? So number two, prayer helps you gain an understanding of God's character. When you know who God is, you don't fear Him, you trust Him. You don't distance yourself from Him. You know Him. You only get to know someone, and I'll say it again, it, 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 it's, it's tied to point one, but it's critical. You only get to know God by spending time with God. Reading the Bible points you and enables you, points you to God and enables you to have a relationship with God. But if you read the Bible without talking and communing with God, the Bible becomes an autobiography of God. You cannot just read the autobiography. You have to talk to the author. You have to get to know the author. If you read the book of Oliver Tambo, it doesn't mean you know Oliver Tambo. Or you read the book of Nelson Mandela, it doesn't mean you know him or, or, or whatever you read. You don't know the person. You know what the person says. You know the acts, the exploits of the person. But the Bible says in Daniel 11, 32, but the people who know their God, not to know about their God, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So knowing God is a journey. Paul, this great apostle who is doing tremendous things for God, and he goes through his old pedigree. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews of the stock of Benjamin. He sat under Gamaliel. He was the most learned um, a Pharisee of his day. He was a pedigree as anybody else. Then he finds Christ. And then his pursuit was to get to know God. He says, everything else I count as rubbish that I may know Him. He talks about his pursuit of God. That's who we are, Christians. We are God chasers. We are God pursuers. We want to get to know God better and better and better. And the more we know God, the more we will obey God and the more we will do for God. But it is a pursuit. God's waiting for you. You need to draw near to God. You need to. And the amazing thing is when you spend time with God and you have a regular time and uh, there will be times, and I understand God dwells within us, but there's also like a visitation, a presence of God. I'll walk in my office sometimes and God is there. And it's not like it's a work. I just walk in there and I will just fall on the ground and I will just weep and just thank God. And that is my prayer hour. That's it because I just walk in there and the Father is there even before I walk into my study, God is there. Then there are other times that it feels labored. You all know what I'm talking about. Like you go to gym, it's like, oh my word, every muscle aches. I don't like feeling this. Now prayer is exactly the same. Prayer, but the paycheck is there. The reward is there. As you apply discipline, which is the root word of discipleship. Discipleship requires discipline. Disciple means a disciplined follower of Christ, which means you are not led by your emotions. You set your alarm clock, you get out of bed, and you have your caffeine, which I need, unfortunately. Uh, I thought I'm going to put an espresso machine next to my bed to have a triple shot uh, so I can wake up from there to my study, okay? Um, and have your time with God. Have your moment with God. So on the count of three, uh, what is your time that you have set a 
side every day of your life and don't lie now because John 8 44 says if you lie you're a child of the devil so what is your set time that you spend with God every day of your life because you are now going to declare it and God's going to meet with you at that time 12 o'clock three o'clock in the morning man in Johannesburg I was amazed because I asked people and so many of the people said pastor my prayer time is three o'clock in the morning I thought three o'clock in the morning I only go to bed like one o'clock two o'clock or 12 I'm in late hour so I pray late at night so um, it's just not going to work for me three o'clock in the morning but my father-in-law was an amazing man he would pray every day of his life as long as I know him two to five in the morning it's just a supernatural grace he goes to bed at like eight o'clock obviously my word eight o'clock I just wake up Right, you know, after church on a Sunday, I can't switch off. I'm awake till two o'clock on a Monday morning because spiritually I'm on a high. And then I talk to other pastors and they all fall asleep. They like, you know, skittles. They fall over one after the other. Then they haven't even preached. They just drop over like this. Or the husbands preach, you get home and the wife is tired. Well, I'm sure listening to your husband three times a week will wear you out or three times a day right so um, <laughs> I've given you time now okay so what is the time that you are, have made up your mind because a made up mind is a powerful thing when are you going to spend your personal time with God nobody else allowed around you and God alone and you're going to start with 30 minutes a day we're going to work up to one hour because Jesus said watch and pray could you not watch for, with me for one hour he requires one hour the early church, you say, Pastor, it sounds like law. Okay, give your wife less than one hour. Let's see where that relationship goes. We're talking about the most important relationship in your life, but you're treating it like it's nothing. That's why you're going nowhere. That's why you're falling for every temptation because you're not in a place of prayer. You have to become a prayer. So, okay, on the count of three, you are, I'm saying it, you are going to shout your prayer time and the person next to you is going to listen. Okay, and next week you're going to have your notebook and I'm going to ask you, show me your journal and you're just going to wave your journal and show me where God has spoken to you, what Bible verses you've read, what, uh, what scriptures have jumped out to you and you are just going to go in a whole nother level of your walk with God. It's amazing. If you will do a little, God is going to do a lot. If you draw one step to God, God's going to run to you. If you just say, our Father, God is going to show up. God's going to talk to you. God's going to love you and 30 minutes will feel like three minutes it's going to be like a breeze 30 minutes you will feel i haven't even begun and it's over that's like going to be the best date of your life come on if you're with somebody that you love it's like five hours go by like 30 minutes you know what i'm talking about so you, when you spend time with God, I'm telling you, it's going to become addictive. You are going to love every moment of it. You will want to do it more and more and more and more and more. And God's going to reveal Himself, His character. Because you'll walk into God's presence, you will never experience judgment, condemnation. He'll never shame you, He'll never put you down. You can experience love, 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 grace and mercy. Like the prodigal son, the father ran to him put his arms around him, restored him, put a ring on his feet, sandals on his feet, a robe of righteousness. That's the God that you serve. 
a God of mercy and grace. So people that preach God is an angry God, a God of judgment. They are people that have no relationship with God. They misrepresenting God. He is love. 1 John chapter 4 says God is love. And people who fear have not been perfected in love. The only way to be perfected in love is to hang out with God and you will experience God because God is more real than you. God is a spirit. God is eternal. God is yet tonight. God is, you were created in God's image. So if you will spend time with God, God will show up and God will amaze you. And God's gonna put things in your heart and dreams in your heart and plans in your heart and strategies. And He's gonna put a, a, a wind under your wings and fresh breath in your sails and energy and strength. Cause those who wait upon the Lord shall do what? They shall renew their strength. They shall do what? Mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Listen, the, strength, the key to acceleration is your relationship with God. The key to bust the devil off the side of the head is your relationship with God. The key to do great exploits for God is your relationship with God. Your daily discipline, walk with God. If you will do that, the rest will be history. God will guide you. God will lead you. Amen. Okay. On the count of three. Your time. And the deal is you're going to put that stupid cell phone away when you pray. If you're a doctor, give it to your husband and say, Melifi, as iemand my soek. But you need to make this the priority of your life. I'm not going to go back here again and again and again. But this is everything, like everything. It's not part of it, it's everything. Your relationship with God is everything. Jesus came to establish a relationship between you and God. Everything rises and falls on your relationship with God. And I mean everything, everything. Alles, alles hang af van jou verhouding met die Heere. Nie jou vrouse verhouding nie, nie jou manse verhouding nie, nie jou paase verhouding nie, nie jou vriend nie, jou verhouding. Jij wat God gehoorzaam. Jij wat journal, dagboek hou. Jij wat God gehoorzaam. Jij wat neerskryf wat die Heere vir jou sê. En wanneer jy besluit te neem dat jy sal teruggaan na jou dagboek toe. Om te sien dat het consequent is met die gesprekke wat jy met die Heere gehad het. Because even Satan can transform him as an angel of light. Somebody come and say, hey, I think it's a good idea, let's go over there. Not every good idea is a God idea. You better get it. Amen. Okay, building up. You say you bring me under pressure. What's your wife doing to you? Huh? She, you say, she says, do you love me? You say, yes. She says, but you never spend time with me. Ooh. The husband that gets married and the children come, now the wife is occupied with everything else but the husband. Now the husband feels neglected. Ooh. And I've counseled how many businessmen. He said, man, I just got married because I love this woman. But since the lady, the lady since the, the children came, I dropped down the list from number one. After the first child, I became number two. Then I, third, second child, number three. Third child, number four. Five. Six. And then they say to me, but my wife's got everything, but she's not happy. She never gives me any time because everything else takes place of 
why that couple actually got married. Why did they get married? Why, did you, why do you want to marry? To have babies? Heck no. Hello? You can search us not a deal bill, because you will know kinders here. Of a deal coin. Then I'm better here. Sorry for the Afrikaans. Then you better send her for genetic tests first. And like when you they buy a horse, look at the teeth and look at everything and see whether this is good genetics because I am marrying you just to have children. How many of you marry just to have children? Now, the, well, I'm saying this to young people because you're not married. Marry for? Marry for what? Why can't you say it? Marry for what? Why can't you say it? Is it because it's, 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 it's not a love thing, it's a money thing. I okay, no, I didn't say that. It's not a love thing, it's an image thing. It's not a love thing, it's, it's about who his daddy is. His daddy's got money, so he's going to inherit. So my mommy and daddy struggled financially. And as a girl, I decided I'm never going to struggle in life. So I'm going to find me a man that will have a lot of money. So he's okay, he's nice, he's cool, but... You marry for what? Jesus, help us, help us, help us, people. Why can't you say it? Why are you whispering it? You marry for what? Really? Yeah, now you know I said John 8, 44. You can't lie because Jesus said those who lie come from Satan. So you marry for what? So who do you love out of that um, contact list? I know I'm being naughty, but I'm being very truthful now. Oh, he's pasty, he's very hot. My Swedorf Susseplank. As you must praat, say net. And I can't praat with Blyf, Blyflies, and rugby, rugby and golf, rugby and golf. We're in Yach, in Kara. What girl wants to talk about rugby and golf and cars? And if you ask him anything else, it's like, huh? Mm. Yeah, Leafy. Come and see you later. I'm saying this because your relationship with God is a love relationship. And if you truly love God and experience the love of God, it will not even be an issue to have this conversation. Because if you love somebody, you want to spend time with that person. So the question is, our love for God. 
there's the real issue. Is this a religion or is it a real relationship? Because if it's a relationship, there's desire. There's not a have to. But with the desire comes discipline. Because life is so busy, you make prayer a priority. Because you value the relationship, not as you feel. That's why as a married couple, you have to make time. Prioritize time together. I tell my kids who are now having a million babies that you have to... Those kids are not your marriage. Because they come and they go. And the mothers, and I should say in the morning service, that build their lives around their children are neglecting their husbands. And it's all they can talk about is Yanni and Tabu and Mbo. And that's all they can talk about. They can't even talk about their husbands. The first person is to talk about your husband. Your dustbin. Amen. Right? So your relationship with God is one that's rooted in what? In love. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. Once you experience the love of God, you want to experience it again and again and again and again and again and again. Again and again and again and again and again and again. And that relationship gets better and better and better and better and better. More mature. The conversation becomes more mature. It's like a young couple, they talk about things, but that's why we have to have interests outside of Pride Place Rugby in Chevrolet. We need to be able to talk about other things as well. Otherwise, your, your, your young, intelligent wife-to-be will find you boring five years from now. No, don't say amen now. Be, be careful now, girls, because your boyfriend's not going to like this. And vice versa. You will not the poppy. Like last man, for the 20 years now, they're not the poppy. Maybe they're double what they were. But love. You're looking at me in that tone. It's okay. So, so the more time you spend with God, the more you will experience His love and His mercy revealed to you. I'm going to close now in the next three hours. So the Bible says, love has been perfected, listen, among us in this. 1 John 4, 17, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. Righteous, forgiven, justified, just as if I never sinned. Righteous in right standing with God. So the basis of my relationship with God is there's no guilt, no shame. It is an established relationship. It's not a relationship that is in good standing today and bad standing tomorrow. It is a settled relationship and that relationship is established on the principle of love, not fear. Because the next verse says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. If you do not know God, you will fear God and your guilt will keep you out of God's presence to your detriment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. So Moses spends time with God and God reveals Himself to Moses. In Exodus 34 verse 5 and 6 now, the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. God says, this is who I am. And the Lord passed before him, old covenant and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Come on. If you believe God is merciful, loving, gracious and kind, give him the biggest praise of the night right now. Come on in Jesus' name.
Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. Amen. Okay, take your seats. Number three out of 365. That's only where we are. No, don't worry, I'll only go to point 33. Jeremiah, uh, pray. How many of you need answers? How many of you need, need God to answer you with, about something? Okay. All of you. If you don't need answers, then please come and give us answers. We, we, we're called to live by faith. That means we are required to live dependent on God. So people who misunderstand faith think it's a formula. No, it's reliance. It's dependence on God's grace. It's God's empowering. Uh, it's God's uh, empowerment in your life. It's God revealing His will and giving you the grace to walk it out by faith. Faith is not a formula. Faith is walking out the will of God that is revealed by God in obedience to God because God's will is blessed. So the answers you seek oftentimes will not be what you want to hear, but they will be what you need to hear because God knows the future, right? That's why the premises of prayer is Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Before we do go anywhere else, we have to bring ourselves in a place of submission to God's will. You, you, you don't go to God with an agenda. You don't go to God and you tell God. You go to God and you ask God. You don't go to God and you say, Father, I have decided. You go to our God and you say, Lord, what is your will? So it means you, it requires humility all the days of your life. Because the day you no longer pray, you are saying to God, I no longer need this relationship. I do not value this relationship and I can do what I'm doing by myself. And that's where trouble is going to start in your life. So the Bible says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, Call to me. God says, call to me. You call to Him. And I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So He wants to show you the things. We're not going to get there tonight, but the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus to do what? To show us things to come, to guide us into all truth. So if we're not in a listening room, if we are not in a place of dialogue, how will we know what God has planned for us? Then we will listen to the other voices. And that's why I took it to social media. You listen to other voices, not to the one voice. You need to give God preeminence and you need to have a diary and write what God says to you. Little information. Every word God gives you, scriptures. It's not like in one day, God's just going to reveal everything to you. I had it in Lady Brand, where the presence of God came upon me two o'clock in the morning. I've had it a few times in my life because before I got saved, I practiced automatic handwriting, which is a spiritualist thing, which is an imitation of the Holy Spirit because the whole Bible were written by people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I've had God come upon me and my hand goes like, and I write, 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 write. And I see exactly what God has told me. And then God talks to me like, boom, 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 boom. And I can't then say what God says. I have to write what God says because a short pencil is better than a long memory. 
Because it's amazing how we become selective in our memories, especially if our emotions take over, our offenses take over, and other people's voices become primary in your life. You will lose your destiny if you're not in this place of prayer. Remember when Jesus teaches us to pray and He says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. Why does He say that? You can never allow offense to come into your heart because offense will stop you in your walk with God and will stop you from progressing. That's why every day you have to forgive. That boss at work, that person that sinned against you, 70 times seven, you have to forgive. Bring that person before God again so your heart is pure. You guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Again, Habakkuk says, I will stand to see what the Lord will say within me. This is where God speaks. So if there's offense in your heart, you will never discern the Word of God because offense will override the Word of God. And Satan will position people to um, enhance the offense and the offense will will become bigger. He knows exactly how to derail you. And sometimes it's well-meaning people, caring people. God's will, or, or Jesus revealed His will that He had to go to the cross. And then Peter tried to stop Him. He said, not so, Lord, don't do this. What did Jesus say to him? He said, get behind me, Satan, because you do not save the things of God. Well, this is the same Peter that a few moments ago had the revelation that He is the Christ and that God will build His church upon that rock. So He has that revelation in the same chapter, Jesus adds truth that was not convenient to Peter. Peter wanted Jesus there all the time. Peter was emotional and he spoke out of Jesus, not to reprimand Jesus or discipline Jesus. He spoke to Jesus out of concern. He said, no Lord, no. So what's happening? Sentiment, emotion, feeling manifest. Jesus stops him in his track. He says, get behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things of God. You do not understand the plan, the purpose, the call of God from my, so I don't need your voice at this time. Of course, Jesus was already, I mean, He's a man. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it wasn't like a walk in the park like some people think. I saw a picture this week of what Jesus looked like on the on that cross, that how the flesh was ripped out of His body. It's not this nice little picture that you think Jesus hanging on a cross with a tear and a drop, etc. That cat of nine tails with jagged bone edges and metal pieces ripped out the flesh and the blood vessels. He was stripped naked to the bone on His back and on His body. That crown of thorns was, was pushed through His head, three inch through the, the nails were, that was hit through Him. He, the Bible says He was marred beyond recognition. That's the price He paid for you and me to have a relationship with God. Come on, let's give Him thanks and let's give Him praise. Because if we don't understand how brutal the death of Jesus was and at what it cost Him, we will always have this casual journey in our walk with God. We think we can just take a stroll and everything is going to be okay. No, you need to consecrate yourself to God. And that means you have to separate yourself. My wife and my children know when it comes to the call of God and the purpose of God in my life, it's a place out of bounds. Nobody interferes between my relationship with God. Nobody. Even if I have to make a tough decision, if God told me, I talk to no one. I'll submit it to the elders, spiritual people, but that's it. It's not open for debate. So be careful of people that give you nice advice. Because sometimes the pursuit of God's will will cost you. And if you sit on the throne, on the seat of the throne, your ego and your emotions and your feelings 
may become a hindrance to the plan and the purpose of God for your life. That's why you pray. Not your wife, not your daughter, not your son, not your mother, not your auntie. You pray. You. You pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You walk with God. You stand before God honestly. The conversations you have, you bring them to God. You and God. It's your walk with God. Not you and your wife, you and your children, you and your church. It's your walk with God. So you better protect your heart and protect your relationship with God more than anything else. Because if any other voice interferes, it's going to derail you. And Satan, by the way, knows you very well. He knows your insecurity. He knows you're you're wrestling with inferiority. He knows what God has delivered you from. He knows exactly how to get to you. That's what I'm saying to you. You better control technology because the devil will exploit that to derail you in your relationship with God. Are you listening to me tonight? So he says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things to come. Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you, say me, a future and a hope. He says, but there's a condition you will call to me and and, and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when or if you seek for me with all your heart. So this, by the way, Christianity must stop immediately. This, by the way, going to church. This church hopping. Must stop. You need to get your life in line with God's order, which starts in your personal relationship with God. I shared that this morning um, when my family got offended with the pastor and I was in a very little church, they all left. My mother left, my sister left, my brother left, everybody left. Not to say anything bad about them, but they picked up an offense with the pastor because whatever, whatever the issue was. Then my father-in-law left, my mother-in-law left, my brother-in-law left, my sister-in-law left. Everybody left the church but me. So people ask me, why are you not going to leave the church? I said, no. They said, why? I said, because God never told me. I don't follow somebody else. I don't follow somebody. Oh, man, give a better hand clap than that. I don't follow somebody else. Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. So I stayed when everybody left. And then my best friend, by the way, listen to this. My best friend, who actually was instrumental in discipling me, he picked up an offense with a pastor, left the church. I stayed. Because that's where God planted me. And I thank God I could celebrate 37 years full-time in the ministry because I made those decisions in those years. I never allowed emotion. I never allowed my family. I never allowed uh, 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 people to pull me in a direction. I knew God said to me, it's amazing. The first thing I ever heard God say to me is submit to that pastor, his name. He said, submit to pastor so-and-so. Little church, 90 people in the church. Second thing God said to me is go to Bible school. It's only two things I heard from God. That's it. For years, for seven years, never heard anything else. And when people got all offended and flaky, etc., I stuck to the Word of God. People are fickle. You, you know why people are fickle? Because they have no relationship with God. Zero. Oh, I think, I think we should go to the pub tonight. Really? So are you now my guide? Oh, I think we should go, go over there. Really? Are you now my guide? Are you now my savior? No. 
you better know what God's plan is for your life. Otherwise, you will be part of the statistics, sadly, in the, in the world today. Those who start out in their 20s that still follow Christ in their uh, 60s are less than 15%. And I'll tell you why. You can blame everybody else. You can say, I got offended, blah, 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 blah. Listen, there's no perfect church. And if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you're going to mess it up with your attitude. You are a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. We need to obey God and walk with God and be where God wants us to be so we can grow spiritually and stay in this race in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen and give the Lord a praise here tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Your walk with God. Your walk with God, not religion. Many people have religion, they actually think they have a walk with God and they don't. They don't. They visit God on a Sunday. Sunday is an outflow of the relationship you've had with God in the week. They are both equally important. It's not either or. You can't serve God under a tree by yourself. God established the church for you. You're instructed in church by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Every believer should be planted in a local church somewhere. And, you don't, and, and, and if you get offended and leave that church, we want to see your journal where God spoke to you. And, and, and where the conversation started and, and, and why you left. What did God say to you? Uh, where's the basis that you are making your decisions from? Your feelings? Your emotions? Then what are you going to do when you get married? You've had enough of that man after seven years. What are you going to do? You're going to up and out? Huh? Your walk with God is everything. Are you listening to me tonight? So, did you give your time? Amen. Amen. We love Him because He first loved us. I went to church for years and years and years and read my Bible and had no relationship with God. Prayed, had no relationship with God. Then I found Jesus. No, then Jesus found me. Jesus was never lost. Amen. Then Jesus found me. I was the lost coin. I was the lost sheep. I was the prodigal. And how did he find me? A friend brought me to church and I encountered the love of God. And I knew this is what I'm looking for. Not, a, not in relationships, not in alcohol, because you can sleep with another girl or another guy. You wake up empty the next day. As a matter of fact, you, you, you wake up emptier. You lose more and more and more and more of yourself. You can go drink more alcohol. You can go smoke, smoke more marijuana. It is not going to satisfy you. It's going to destroy you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Listen to me tonight. Listen, 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 listen. This is real. No one moving now, please. If you have a bladder problem, I'll pray for you. No problem. I'll pray for you. God will help you to squeeze. Don't let the devil distract you. You're sitting out tonight there in Bloemfontein in Johannesburg in one of the churches. And you know that your relationship is not right with God. Now, please listen to me. Jesus himself says, you're neither hot, you're neither cold, you're lukewarm. And he said, I would rather have you hot or cold. Because lukewarmness is a place of deception. One foot in the world, one foot in the church. He says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus says. 
Because lukewarm people think they're okay and they're not. If you're not tired with sin, don't put your foot in church again. Go sin until you are sinned up. Is it Pastor, how can you say that? Because I am saying it. Because Jesus said, you're hot or cold. Choose. I didn't say if you give your life to Jesus, you, you will not stumble. Because the Bible says in 1 John, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But the same Bible in the Gospel of 1 John says, he that um, is, is born again does not sin. You cannot practice sin as a way of life. You can fall and be and seek forgiveness, but you cannot live in sin as a way of life and call yourself saved. That's deception. Cannot. Cannot. Can he? Can he wees Can he gebeur nie? moet kies. And this is not me bringing a heavy on you. This is me trying to save you and to bring you back to God. Like that prodigal son that thought he was better off outside of his father's house. I've watched people. I've done it 37 years preaching the gospel. Saved for 41 years. I've seen people. How they think it's better out there in the world. Like Lot's wife who looked back once too often and she was finished. How people are on fire and a wrong person comes through social media. The wrong girlfriend, the wrong guy who has no love for God and how those people lose their passion for God. And they marry somebody that has no love for God and that means for the next 40, 50 years they will not put their foot in the church and they will not raise their children in the church. Because of what? Because of a guy that is carnal, good looking, has no time for God, arrogant, sits on the throne of his own pious heart and you will give yourself to that man and think you're going to be a happy woman? No, you'll wake up when you're 35 and you've had three children and you'll think, my God, what have I done? Because you did not follow God's plan for your life and you allowed somebody to come between the relationship with God. No man, no woman is worth your walk with God. If you are dating somebody that doesn't love God, you better get rid of that person. You can be mad. You date somebody that is not a, a, a God pursuer. You better get, because, because young people think just about how they feel now. What about five years from now? You marry that man, he's as carnal as, as anything and you think you're gonna be happy. You're not gonna be happy. Because you're gonna wake up one day, girl. You're gonna grow up. Right now you think life is a game and you just wanna mess around and play around. But you're also gonna grow up. You're gonna be 35 one day. You're gonna fall pregnant. You're gonna have children. You're gonna have to raise those children. And then you have a man that has no love for the house of God. So that means you cannot raise your children in the ways of God because you are making a decision which is a carnal decision, which is not led by the Spirit of God. Because you like what about him? His carnality? His carnal nature? That what attracts you? Then what does that make you? Who are you? You need to get right with God. You need to give yourself back to Jesus Christ. Because that thing is taking you away from God. I watch young people. How they come to church for three, four, five weeks. 
or five months, then they invite a young guy to church, especially the girls fall for this rubbish. And then you watch the guy doesn't like church. He does, he's not a church guy. He doesn't like church. Then you see that girl, a month later, she's out of church with that fool. With that carnal fool giving up her salvation for somebody that smokes and drinks and has no regard for God. Yeah, you better clap because I'm saving somebody here tonight. Saving somebody here tonight. Or you date a girl that, and it's the same thing, girls are even getting worse than guys now, that has, has, has no spirituality in her whatsoever. As carnal as anything. All she has is a little physique and she flirts with you and seduces you. And, and you like it. Where's it going to lead you? Where's it going to take you? Where's that girl taking you? How many men has that girl been with? Are you going to marry her? Now for all of us, no matter how many people you slept with before you come to Christ, when you give your life to Christ, you, you receive a new life and a new nature and that's over. But then your behavior has to change. Say amen now tonight. Come on in Jesus' name. That rubbish has to stop. I said that rubbish has to stop. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to value yourself and not allow anybody to interfere in your relationship with God because you're going to grow up. You're going to grow up. You don't think so, but you're going to grow up. When you see again, you're 30. When you see again, you're 40. And then you married a guy that has no love for the things of God and he will treat you like a slave for the rest of your life, like an object, like he's treating you now and you're okay with that. He wants one thing from you and you're okay with that because your daddy never gave you the love that you needed. That's why I'm saying to you, you better run into the arms of your heavenly daddy so no man on this earth can exploit you so you can become settled in yourself. Come on girls, in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't need a man's sexual attention and affirmation. You don't need that rubbish. You need to find yourself and you will find yourself in the presence of God. Nowhere else, nowhere else. And some of you have to make a tough decision tonight like I had to. The 40th of November, 1982. I was as carnal as they come. Never put my foot in the church, drank, smoked marijuana, mandrakes, everything. I was just in the world totally. And then my relationship with the girl was obviously not a godly relationship. But when I got saved, I said no more. And she couldn't handle that. I said, when don't doing those things. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about uh, holding hands. <laughs> I said, no more. And then she came to church a few times and it was like, it's not my thing. I said, ach, I said, believe, man. Poppy. Poppy. Da gaan jy. Da gaan jy. Wat jy goed doen. Da gaan jy. Met jou leifie. Jou boekies wat jy rondswaai. Da gaan jy. Da gaan jy. Da gaan jy. Wat jy goed. No one is worth your salvation. No one. No one. No one. No one. No one. No one. Listen, no one. No one. No one. No one. No one. No one. Some of you have to come and recommit your lives to Christ again. God's talking to you. 
The path you're going on is not a good path. It's going to lead to destruction. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving in all our churches tonight. God's talking to you. These are the life-changing moments. Messages as well, by the way. Tonight you're standing in this place in any of our churches and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. I've lost myself for whatever reason. There's no shame there. The shame is if God's talking to you and you walk away from God. It's like your father having a conversation with you and say, hey, I, I, I got this man to say this tonight because I love you to get you back. That thing is not turning out well for you. It's not going to work. You come to Jesus tonight. All over this place, every head bowed there in Bloomington, Johannesburg, in Potsdam, Clarksdorp, Vintuk, Khabarone, Cape Town, wherever you are tonight. God is talking to you tonight. Tonight you are so ready to surrender your life. There's no hot, no cold. It's hot or cold. No fence, sitting anymore. You make the decision, God will give you the grace. And God will set you free. Tonight you're sitting in this place, you say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Or I want to come back to Jesus. Don't let your boyfriend intimidate you or your friend. You make a decision tonight for your soul, for your salvation, and for your future, and for your walk with God. On the floor of the balcony, wherever you are, Bloomingdale floor balcony, right where you are tonight, you say, Pastor, I want to get right with God. If that's your, the cry in your heart, quietly, wherever you are, just slip up your hand. I want to say a prayer for you. Raise your hand up quickly. Quick, quick, quick. Raise it up. Raise it up. Up, 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 up. All over this place. Lift it up. Lift it up. It's not just about relationships. It's about your walk with God. Lift it up. Lift it up. Say yes. Thank you. God bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. This is God talking to you tonight, calling you home, bringing you back. Last time before I pray, God praat met jou vanavond. Daar is een woeling met in jou hart, heilige geest wat met jou werk vanavond sê, ek is recht om my leven recht te kry met die Heere. Ek wil terugkeer na Jesus toe vanavond. Tel jou aan vanavond op in Jesus naam. Vanavond, tel hem op. Onbeskaam, tel hem op. Op, 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 op. Op. Dankie, 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 dankie. Dankie. Many of you raise your hands. Please look at me for a moment. I know some of you, you're sitting here and you're feeling uncomfortable. And there's how we respond. Please listen to me and I say it with all the love I have because I care for you. When God came to Israel, it wasn't to judge them, it was to have fellowship with them. But they ran from God. Some of you, I said things that will save you, but you don't like it. So you've already made up your mind, this church is too heavy, I don't want this. Because you want to be in a church where these things are not discussed, so you can continue shacking up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and feel good about it and sing hallelujah on a Sunday. There's no Christianity like that. You can go to a church that tickles your ears, that pacifies you, and you think you're okay, and you know you're not okay. That's worse off for you than not going to church at all. Because your walk with God requires repentance. You turn away from, and you turn to God. That relationship. And if you maintain that relationship, nobody else will ever come and have the power to take you away from the Father. Amen. Put your hand on your heart. Everybody do this. Just get quiet where you are. Everybody. Just close your eyes. Shut the door. Everybody. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Zero. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God is for you. And He knows how 
to help you. And this is the first step. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give my life back to you. I open my heart and I invite you to take your rightful place, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Please forgive me all my sin. I'm sorry, Lord, that I've not lived as I should have. But tonight I repent and I give my life back to you. You paid the price for all my sin. You broke the power of sin through death. Therefore, sin shall no longer have dominion over my life. For I am saved by your grace and I will be kept by your grace. I believe you are alive and that your Holy Spirit now lives within me and that I am free in my spirit, my soul, and my body. I receive your love, your grace, and your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Now, Father, speak to me about issues in my life. Help me to obey you, to live a life that is fully pleasing unto you in every area. I place my life as an open book before you. And I ask you to give me the grace to obey you in every area of my life so that I may finish strong and live a life that will glorify your name. Tonight, I receive a new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.